welcome style guru Jeremy Hackett, founder of Hackett London, the global mega brand. And welcome to the studio. Thank you very much. That was a big uh, intro there. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's it's great to have you here. And you look from your famous Instagram account, Mr. 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 J. J. Hackett, Mr. J. Yeah. Hackett. Like lockdown's been pretty good to you. I, actually, I have to say it's been fantastic. I know I shouldn't say that, but for me, <laughs> it's been very good. And I found that I've spent a lot of time in the garden. The weather's been fabulous. I've been able to walk my dogs, spend more time with them. I've been out and about taking pictures. And I know, seriously, it's a, it's a disaster, really, for our business. It's uh, turned it upside down, and there doesn't seem to be any end to it at the moment. So you started Hackett in 1983, is that right? That's right, 1983. Well, was it Hackett then, or was it just you selling clothes at that point? Uh, no, well, actually it was, just us selling clothes, because we didn't put a name up for about six months, because we didn't know what to call it. And my partner at the time was a guy called Ashley Lloyd Jennings, and we'd been in business before with a shoe shop under his name, Lloyd Jennings. And we had three shops, and it got really difficult, you know, there was a depression going on and so in the end we closed them down and took some time off and we started going to Portobello and buying second-hand clothes but really good second-hand clothes and then we set up the shop 60 pounds a week it was the only one we could afford at the time at the wrong end of the new King's Road so we laid the shop out just as though it was like a gentleman's tailor's shop and everything was cleaned and laundered and beautifully laid out so you didn't feel like you were going into, say, Oxfam or something. It was a proper proper shop. And um, it just took off from the first week. It just exploded. So this was still second-hand? All second-hand. And we did second-hand for about three years. Then we were struggling to get really good stuff. So rather than just sort of trading down, we thought, well, let's use some of the really good pieces that we had and people always wanted. Let's start making a, a very edited... Um, clothing range so we knocked a hole through the little shop into the shop next door and started selling new clothes and um, fortunately that took off and the second hand just disappeared and what did you before so you had the shoe shop before but what did you know about clothes before I've been in the clothing business from the age of 16 when I had a Saturday job in a tailor's shop in Bristol where I was brought up and uh, I moved to London when I was 19 I worked in the King's Road for various boutiques and then I was offered a job in Savile Row and I worked in Savile Row for about three years. To be honest, I can barely sew a button on, but I know how things should be. I, I would introduce customers to the tailor and talk them through what suggestions of what they might like and so that was my sort of, I was a sort of conduit between the tailor and the customer. Okay, so you, so you just had an eye for yeah, it, you think? and an eye, yeah, and a feeling. And you weren't sort of trained as a no. or anything like that? No, I can't do any of that. No. But there are plenty of people who can. Yeah. And I often think that uh, tailors are very good craftsmen, but not necessarily good retailers. Right. So, you know, they're fine doing what they do, and I, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, it's a fantastic skill. Um, but then when it comes to actually being on the shop floor and looking after people, it's a different skill, really. And some of them are not really, it's not really their thing. And I understand that, you know. So I'm an ideas person, I think. I'm, a bit, I'm more of a stylist than a designer. I would never say I was a designer. And at the end of the day, I'm a shopkeeper. I like being a shopkeeper, you know. It's a nice, very modest way to put it. 
Well, that's that's what I've grown up doing, and that's what I'm best at, really. Do you still get a thrill when you, well, not at the moment right now, but, you know, when you walk into shops and see new stuff laid out, does it still... Yeah, well, what thrills me more is people walking out with a full, full bag. Full bag. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but... Uh, and I like talking to the customers, because when you talk to the customers, you know, they tell you straight what's good and what's bad and what, you know. So I like to hear it from them, because when you hear it from backroom staff, you never get the right story. But you hear it from the customers. And in fact, on Instagram, I often get people sending me little messages about, oh, I was in your shop the other day, and da 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 you know. So I always communicate with them and say, you know, I'll sort it out for you. Or they tell you they tell you things. Yeah, if, if something wrong. had gone wrong, or a delivery hadn't been made, or alteration wasn't right, or uh, you know, all little things, you know, which I always, well, I say I always, I try my best to answer all those. Well, there's not an enormous amount of them, <laughs> so, um, but you know, I think as we go through all this, one thing that I think is incredibly important is service. Because men on the whole are quite loyal. If they like shopping somewhere, they go back and they go back, particularly if they're looked after. And I find that customers come in and they ask for a particular salesperson. I say to our, the guys in the shops, if you recognize a customer, that's great. But if the customer recognizes you and asks for you specifically, you know that you're doing a good job. And and I think that, you know, I had no qualifications when I went into to, to work and all, all it's about is service really it's not all what it's about but it's a big part of what it's about and looking after people and I found I could do that and uh, get a lot of satisfaction out of it I had no plans to open a big business or anything. so you just saw you just saw that there's a market for this kind of thing yeah good classical clothing well made using proper material not overly expensive but not cheap you know, so we found a real niche, and at the time, it, this was you know, early '80s. It was all quite—I um, mean, there was Austin Reed and Aquascutum, but they were all sort of losing their way a bit, I think. And um, I think we just stepped in at the right time. I mean, more luck than judgment. There was no business plan, no mm. marketing plan, and no money. <laughs> so, you know, it was just it all done by feeling. And did it go well from the get-go and never look back, or did you have oh, ups well, and downs? It, it, for the first five years, it went very well. And then we made some silly mistakes by over-expanding. cost us a lot of money. And in the end, uh, we sold out to Dunhill. I, I'm not a person that dresses up particularly. I'm normally in a, yeah. I'm normally in a T-shirt. And I tried as to you buy, are today. Yeah, <laughs> because you, you know, I wore. I said I wore a jacket for the occasion. I bought a jacket with me that I thought for you know, so so I might look smart in That's the photograph. That's very kind. Yeah, because I didn't. No, no, exactly. What please? I couldn't. I say I couldn't find a picture of you looking anything other than immaculate. But I was particularly. I edit them very carefully. <laughs> yeah, because I guess you don't. You know, everyone has to dress down sometimes. So you're yeah. not. You're not going around the house in a smoking jacket. And I recently during the lockdown, I had a email from a Japanese magazine asking me about how am I coping with the lockdown and it was a fashion magazine so they wanted to know how I was dressing for it and uh, I started off by saying well in the beginning I decided that standards must be maintained 
within a couple of weeks, that had all gone out the window. The suits and the blazers remained in the wardrobe. Shorts and T-shirts, and I rarely wear T-shirts, but it's been so blooming hot. And um, so I did a whole thing about the lockdown and tried to put a positive spin on it. I was quite pleased to see, if pleased is the right word, you had a story on Instagram the other day where you got refused entry to a London hotel. Yeah, uh, extraordinary. It was particularly at the moment, you would have thought anybody who walked through the door, they would grab them and say, yes, of course, come in, you know. And they were so snooty. I mean, the lady there looked me up and down and I was wearing a good shirt, tailored shorts, loafers, you know, not. I wasn't like some sort of football hooligan walking in there. And um, she looked at me very disdainfully and said, uh, shorts aren't allowed. There wasn't a soul there, not on the terrace, not in the hotel. And we can say where it was, can't we? Yeah, the Wellesley. The Wellesley. <laughs> so I then wandered around the corner and went to the Grenadier, which is a great little pub. Do you know the Grenadier around the back of... Yeah, I do. Yeah, it's a great pub. So... So let's. So you were, when when you think of a person not being allowed in in shorts, you were wearing what kind of shorts? Not uh, sort of striped cotton, hacket, tailored shorts. Hacket, ha- hacket, hacket, naturally, tailored, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tailored hacket shorts mm. and a not presumably a nice shirt. Uh, uh, yes, a shirt similar to the one I'm wearing today. Hacket shirt. So you to to anyone's anyone's and shoes, but presumably not yeah. dirt, muddy work shoes. No, no. You were wearing a- Edward Green loafers. Very, Edward Green very loafers. Very smart. So you'd be what to anyone in the world would consider a, well, uh, yeah. a well-dressed man, a well-turned-out yeah, man. sort of person you might see wandering down the boulevard of uh, Cannes or something. And were you, and, and you, they said, no, you can't go in. Were you polite to them? Well, I, I was taken aback. I couldn't believe it. And I said, really? I was, I was shocked. I thought, and I, I think I said something, I would have thought you needed the business, which she just sort of ignored me and I, I left before I got too heated about it. Did you Which fit? prompted me to write the little story. No, it's good for yeah. you. Um, were you were you tempted to say, do you, you see the label on these shorts? That's that's no, my I, name. I, do, I, do, no. you do, I, do you ever do that? No, because most people don't know. Well, who? <laughs> oh, well, who heart of the Wellesley then for not for not letting you in? Do you think yeah. this whole working from home thing is going to is it the death knell for what style we had? Or well, I think it's going to change a lot. Yeah. Um, as less people go to the office and work from home, people are just going to be less bothered about what they wear, which is a bad thing. Yeah. Especially in my business. Yeah, of course. You know. But I think, you know, we, uh, I think that the clothing business will take a different attitude to how, how you dress in the future. That, I mean, we do a lot of tailoring, but I think we'll have to look at our tailoring in a, in a slightly different light in the future to make it less constructed, a little bit easier to wear, not so sort of military looking. And, um, I, you know, it's going to, I think in some ways, it, it's going to make us uh, think again, uh, be inspired to do something slightly different. I guess, yeah, in everything really, think again about our whole lives. Yeah. Have you had, I mean, because you're saying it's a very difficult time for the business and living on your own and things, have you had some points during the lockdown and post-lockdown where it's got to you, where you kind of, you've kind of worried? And I should say yes, but <laughs> no. I've really been, not. I, I've, I have to say it's been, um, it, it's this first time in probably 50 years I've taken the amount of time off that I have. And uh, I found it, it's just made me feel better, more relaxed, more, less stressed. 
um, it's been good for me. I, you know, I'm fortunate in that, um, you know, I, I have a nice house, a good income, and I'm not um, on the breadline as a lot of people. I'm, I'm unlikely to lose my job. Um, so, yeah, I'm more fortunate, so I can be a little bit more relaxed about things. Um, you talked about enjoying the the time off before the lockdown. How how much were you working for Hackett? Were you uh, full time? Full time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I do a lot of work with um, well, a lot of lunches, I should say, with journalists, which are all, all leading to Awful stories. Sorry, no. <laughs> Sorry. I get I get on very well with journalists yeah. actually, and uh, we have a good rapport. And uh, so, um, but that involves a lot of lunches, a few drinks. And so during the lockdown, I didn't go to any restaurants. I only drink when I'm out with people. So at home, I didn't drink. I ate at far less. And so I lost about half a stone, um, which is gradually going back out because I'm tending to eat more, at, uh, eat out more now with friends or journalists. Or. This, is a, this is a very interesting question to me because whether people were more healthy or less healthy is is an open question really because I think in some ways yeah you say you you don't have the social opportunities to go out and, yeah. and drink but I think a lot of people a lot of people were, were drinking at home yeah numbing the pain at home yeah but when I'm on my own the the last thing I want to do is drink on my own I think it's a slippery slope yeah and uh, so I never ever drink at home well that's yeah. good that's so. good I started sneaking a few in I, I'd I'd almost stopped drinking yeah. entirely before the lockdown. And I started just because, you know, I, I'm normally doing a lot of sport and stuff. And, and it's just, just the, I think almost, oh, well, I deserve, deserve something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Tre- treating yourself yeah. like you're a child. Yeah, yeah. Going, oh, you know, need some fun. Yeah, I understand that. But, but you know, if, if people come round, then I'll have drinks. But otherwise, no. And when you say, did you eat well as well? I, in fact, I think I ate more healthily. And also because it was hot. You didn't feel like big dinners, and uh, so I, I would mostly have salad of some sort. Very simple, because I'm no cook. No. And so making a salad was easy, that sort of thing. You know, or buy salmon or tuna or mix it all up, and yeah. Did you ever worry about um, getting ill, or was that not something that...? No, I didn't. No. Oh, about getting the virus? Yeah. Mm, no, no, I didn't. I think most, yeah, it's it's a it's a funny one, isn't it? People seem to be, there seems to be a new wave of worry now. I mean, yeah, amongst a lot of the people, particularly older people, I've been talking to, there seems to be. Well, my yeah. my mother-in-law lives in this um, kind of sheltered housing, and they're all I, I could they're understand. All, they're all yes, they're all sort of terrified, looking through their windows, not wanting anyone to visit. And yeah, I I understand that in that sort of environment, but I, you know where I am, it's completely different you know and I don't know I don't see any point worrying about it because if it's going to happen it's going to happen you know Mm. sort of fairly sort of philosophical about it yeah I kind of changed my mind you know at at the beginning it was it was a it seemed to be the thinking that it's only going to affect you if you're if you've got underlying health conditions and so forth but then I know a really fit young guy who, yeah. who got it was really quite badly affected and yeah. sort of over a number of weeks and, and still not sure if it's completely gone away so yeah. I guess it's something to well I've avoided any sort of crowded places and 
kept to myself, you know. Yeah. And uh, I spent a lot of time out walking deserted streets, exploring the area that I'd never done before, finding all sorts of things that, you know, London is full of interesting places. And um, so I'd go out with the camera and the dogs and just shoot pictures and the dogs get the exercise, I get the exercise, and I have the fun of taking pictures. How long have you been doing Instagram? Uh, about five years. Also, uh, pretty early. Is that early? I don't well, know. I, I guess it's been around longer yeah. than that. But. It's the only thing I do. I don't do Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I, I only do Instagram because I like taking pictures. And, and I sometimes I write a little story with it. And, you know, it's sort of, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a very, hobby. It's very nice, your Instagram account. Thank you. My wife's a big fan. Yeah. In fact, she's the one that alerted me to your... Um, it's a story. To, to you not, being, to you not yeah. being let into... I took some nice pictures this morning as well around Soho, so which I'll post later. Okay. I, I went to this little cafe and uh, as you went down the stairs, there's a whole wall covered in post-it note, notes, all in different colours. So I just shot a close-up of it because it just looked like a piece of art. And then I photographed a load of Chinese lanterns from the cab as I was coming down Shaftesbury Avenue. They're either shot from my cab or shot on my dog walk or out and about. That's, your, your, you know, do your dogs feature a lot. Yeah, well, they're hugely popular. What's it, Muffin and... Harry. And Harry. Well, I find that if the Instagram's going down, put a picture of those two up and the Instagram goes up. Oh, you've got a lot of dog lovers out there. Yeah, oh, loads, yeah. It's probably very good for... I mean, you're saying you, you, didn't, you didn't have any low moments during the lockdown, but dogs must be amazing for Oh, your... fantastic. I mean, they give me a responsibility for a start. And, uh, and they're just, you know, you come home and they're so excited to see you. Oh, they're an absolute joy. Yeah, you can't let things go off the rails if there are dogs to look after, can no. you? Because uh, and they're they're a very rare breed, Sussex spaniels. Only about fifty born a year. Oh, Sussex spaniels. Yeah. What's the what's the difference between that and a cocker they're, spaniel? They're broader, chunkier, okay. bigger head. They're gun dogs. Well, mine aren't. Um, the breed. The only shoots they go on are photo shoots. <laughs> <laughs> Probably nicer for yeah. them because you see the Hackett name on some garments that you're pretty sure are not from the oh Hackett yeah we, we've been yeah we've been through that a few times where um back in the oh, early 2000s we were being ripped off royally by people making Hackett polo shirts and uh there was a whole warehouse full of Hackett polo shirts up in Manchester really which was in a way quite flattering because alongside it was Tommy Hilfiger and Ralph Lauren and so we were sort of grouped even though we're a much much smaller brand we were grouped in these huge American brands. People thought, oh, you know, this is desirable. Let's rip it off. But well, I mean, highest form of flattery or whatever yeah, that but that moment, is. That, but that was the polo shirt thing, and that's all gone now. They've moved on to other brands. But And coming back to the polo shirt, the only reason we did the polo shirt and put our name on it was because we had a polo team. We sponsored a, a British Army polo team, and uh, you know, which was great. And it was two customers came into the Hackett shop one day and said, um, our commanding officer said to us, if you want to play polo, you've got to go out and find some sponsorship. So these two guys came in and said, oh, would you sponsor us at the polo? And we thought, hmm, you know. He said, we'll have to have shirts with your name on. And at that time, we'd not put our name on anything, not even over the front door. And uh, So there were no logos then? No logos at oh, okay. all. So we thought, well, you know, they're in the right environment, they're authentic, that's fine, we'll do it. 
So it wasn't just a question of plastering our name on a shirt. And of course it was huge. It's one of the biggest success we've had in, in one single item. Absolutely phenomenal. And still is today in different guises, you know. Um, and I think, for, for me, collaborations with the right people are fantastic for the brand. They give it a spirit and a soul and people feel they belong to something that's sort of, you know, real. Aston Martin, I think, is definitely that's one our that, biggest one. Yeah. But when you think of the when you think of the two brands, if you didn't have a collaboration with them, someone someone should have suggested it. You know, because yeah. Well, we, that's been our long. No, not quite our. our the Polo's been our longest, but um, that's been. I think we've done Aston Martin for about fifteen years. Is it that long? Yeah, and it's 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 a good part of the business, all but, over the world. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect, yeah. a perfect fit. Global, yeah. global. Yeah, I hope they can get through this next stage. Well, they're launching the DBX, so I think that might be their saviour. Yeah, they've not had an easy time. No, they haven't. They've never had an easy time. No. I, I once I once was commissioned uh, to... Has they been bankrupt seven times? I, it was one of those ones I once wrote a piece for The Telegraph. on. I think it was when it was their 100th anniversary yeah. or something. And it, the, the, the most... The most amazing thing for, at all would be that there's still an Aston Martin with how badly yeah. it's done over the, over the years. You yeah. know, big different owners and, and yeah, close to... A bit like Hackett. <laughs> but, you know, there's a thing, there's a, uh, the people see in Aston Martin, there's a romance about it. Yeah. And obviously the James Bond thing has been huge for them. And... Um, People get attracted to that. There's a story behind it. It's something, you know, whenever I've been given one to drive around for a few days, people stop and look at it, not in an envious way, but in a way of oh, admiration. You know, if I was going around in a Lamborghini, oh, God, you know. Yeah, it does have, it does have that extra kind a, of yeah. classy yeah. feel that people yeah. think. Yeah, it's not, it's not like you don't have that feeling like it's yeah. lottery money and, you, no. you know. yeah. It's a considered purchase for yeah. for, a, for the customer, yeah. And I think people are perhaps prepared to. They might even be able to buy something that that is on paper better from yes. someone else, but they yeah. want the yeah. they want it because it's Aston. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, perfect fit. I I personally really like really like Aston. I've been to that that testing ground and driven. At, at daft speeds around uh, the is tracks. That, uh, yeah, is that? Yeah, uh, I, I did a video uh, a while ago at that track, hmm. and it was with the new the DB11 had just come out, and they asked me to do a video driving around this circuit, and there was a big van in front filming me, and I was being interviewed. I was interviewing a, the passenger who was a violinist called Charlie Seam. Really good guy, really nice. And we started chatting, you know, driving along. And uh, I, was, I said to him, so what, what do you drive? He said, oh, I drive a Porsche. I said, cut. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought it was so, uh, if it had been me, I would have left that in because it was, you know, funny. You yeah. Know? But it was not on brand, you know. So some somebody corporate, I thought, no, that's got to go. But, you know, it's funny. And I think that's something that big corporations lose. You know, they're so obsessed with the uh, corporate identity and everything that they lose the spirit of a brand. Mm. And, you know, so you have a little bit of fun with it. You know, don't take yourselves too seriously.
Yeah, you've got to be able to take the piss out of yourself. Yeah. Oh, it was um, a very British thing. Yeah, I think you know. so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, you, if you can't... I, I mean... Self-deprecating. Yeah, you have to. Yeah. I think British people, do. they're, they're uncomfortable with... I don't know how, how you... If, if people say complimentary things to me, I... I, I find them. I, I find, find it, I find it very difficult. I find it difficult. Yeah. Why? Why is that? What, what's wrong with us? Why can't we? Why can't we take a compliment? Uh, I, don't, I, I don't. I I don't like being flattered, because sometimes you don't know whether it's sincere or not. You know. I, I suppose so. I think we tend to be quite wary of people until we really know them. So if somebody's flattering you and you don't really know them, I feel a bit cautious. Yeah, we, we, we have this tendency, I certainly do this, to someone pays you a compliment and you say, yeah, but. Yes, so, exactly. Oh, yeah, but I'm hopeless at yes, this. Yes, yes, yeah, you, you change yeah, direction. It won't last. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just more comfortable like yeah. that. Yeah. Which I think, actually, I suppose we, we might complain about it. It might be uncomfortable sometimes, but I Deep think down we, we quite like it. We like that about <laughs> ourselves. Yeah. One thing we're really good at is being self-deprecating. <laughs> We're the best. Yes. Yeah, we're going to shout about it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, if only you were self-deprecating yeah. as us. Yes. Yeah. Like those Americans always finding someone to judge. I don't know. I hope. I hope this. I hope this whole ridiculous summer we go through is gonna. We have to come. We, we just have to hope we come out better the other side. That's the. That's it. Of, of any of any difficulties, because you think. Um, I mean, me and my wife had we had quite differing views on the severity of it all at the beginning and because i was quite i was quite upbeat about it all i was like well you know it's happening there's nothing we can do about it individually but i I think the uh fashion business as a whole is going to have a big rethink about how they how they operate and i think that you know there's too much stuff out there so i think people have got to focus on what they're making and cut back on all this i know four seasons what every season well, you used to have just two seasons, summer and spring. Now you have four seasons and you have capsule collections and this and that. It's just too much for people to actually take in, especially men. Mm. You know, they they go out and buy a shirt or a pair of shorts when the sun comes out. Not because it's a capsule collection and, oh, I've got to have it, it's new. You know, they're not bothered about that. Because the most, well, particularly our sort of customers. So I think we're going to have to focus more Make better, but make less. Yeah, but because presumably as a business, you had to go in step to a certain extent with all this yeah. season thing. Yeah. But isn't the idea with gents tailing that it's stuff that you buy that you'll keep indefinitely? Yeah. I mean, in a way, I think we're going to have to go back to more basics. But at the same time, basics are good. You have to have basics. But you've still got to put things in there that make people, inspire people and then they buy the basic. If it's all basic, even though it's good, I think, oh, well, I've got a, that, or I've got that. I might have, just try one of these for a change. You know? So you've got to put a bit of inspiration in there at the same time. So a bit, bit of the flashier stuff, do you mean? Or well, not, not flashier, sort of, but bad, bad fun. Word, fun. Fun, yeah. You know, which people might consider um, as opposed to the, the basic pro- product, because you can't be all basic. No. Um, I interviewed you for the Telegraph a couple of years ago, um, and I think you had a, a significant birthday approaching, and I and I asked you whether you'd whether you'd ever consider 
retiring and you said i think you said it was a straight no i can't remember but um no i certainly can't no when um, you get to my age you don't remember anything <laughs> no well if it's not if it's not worth remembering yeah um but having had this time off has it made you think you'd like to work less uh or perhaps see a point where you might retire when you're i don't know 75 or something like the thing is i enjoy what i do and I, I can step in and out as I wish, really. So, um, though the last few months I have felt as though I've retired, I've quite enjoyed it, as I said yeah. earlier. Um, but I like coming up with ideas. You know. I mean, before the lockdown, I came up, I'd been at the polo one day, and uh, I saw all these polo sticks lying on the floor, and it suddenly occurred to me, why don't I chop the mallet end off and make polo umbrellas? So you have the bamboo uh, stick and then you have the handle, which is you know taped around and it's on a piece of uh, tape as well. And uh, so I made them into umbrellas and they were great. You know, Brilliant. it's a really nice, fun thing, um, but authentic as well, you know. And nobody had ever made one before. No, well, it's this kind of thing. Which is what I like, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure they're rip-offs now, you know, because when I posted it, there was suddenly lots of the picture was taken, you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, I don't know, people take the picture and... and Repost, probably, you mean? Yeah, 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 people, yeah, and they probably... Uh, I get a lot of fashion people following me, and so somewhere along the line, they probably thought, well, that's a good idea. Do you we'll, like, we'll make that in China. Yeah, half the price. Knock it out yeah. with a misspelt name on it. Yeah. Oh, fun, talking about misspelt names, I was at. Uh, we we used to have a stand at Pitti in in uh, Florence for the men's uh, buying, and uh, I was on our stand one day, and this Asian guy walked in wearing a polo shirt. I had to look twice because I noticed that it only had one T. No. <laughs> and he walked into our shop. I'll, I'll stand. Oh yeah, because if, if you're going to wear a rubbish fake, you've got to keep away from yeah. <laughs> the people that know in the man with the actual name. And another funny one I found, I was coming out of Sainsbury's, going into Sainsbury's one day, and this guy was walking towards me in a navy and white polo shirt, and I thought, oh, it's Hackett polo shirt. As I got closer, in the same typeface as Hackett, can I say this? He said, fuck it. <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is maybe, that okay? You have to cut new, that. No, no, <laughs> no. The, 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 good, the good thing about the podcast world is you can say what you want. Yeah. You have no, you, you know, other than possibly, um, you know, encouraging people to murder the president or something like that, you're, which, yeah. you're, you, can, you can do what you want. Other than the, some very narrow laws of decency and yeah. legality, we can say, certainly swearing is, yeah. is fine. It's absolutely fine. In cutting to be encouraged, <laughs> possibly. You're, I, I always think we, we talked about this after I interviewed you. Actually, actually, I was going to ask you about your relationship with journalists because I said awful people. In case I didn't know, that's me joking because I'm one myself, and there's a lot of very nice journalists. But the time I interview and interviewed you in 2018, we were on. It was the first time I've ever been on a press trip where I was the only journalist because everyone else was 
Was that the and, one in the south of France? Yeah. Uh, in Aston, Provence. Yeah, with Aston yeah. Martin. Yeah. And I've, I've been on tons of press trips and, and often you know the other journalists because, you know, you're, you're working in yeah. a similar field and, and you know, there might be one or two you don't know or you might know half or yeah. all of them. I didn't know anyone on that trip and there's a group of ten of us or something. And I was the only journalist and everyone else was a, a different kind of influencer. So... You, you I, I have very little time you did, for influencers. You didn't did I think I, I, I probably said that to you at the time. I, I like real journalists who understand their trade and write properly. Influencers, they're just picking up their own Instagram or whatever it is they're doing. And uh, I, I found very few of them are legitimate. There was a lot. There was a lot of... Um, selfies selfie yeah. selfie taking it seemed that well they barely spoke to me you know you would have thought we treated them to a lovely few days hotel drive an aston around i mean it was all laid on for them got absolutely nothing out of it i found it i found it a, a surreal experience watching them actually kind yeah. of they, they were just looking for an angle yeah, to yeah. get their yeah get their face and you would have thought shot. One, they would have come up to me and said, oh, can we just have a, a little five-minute conversation about Hackett and your relationship with Aston Martin? And None. Yeah. For me, it was a complete waste of money for us. I'm sure, there, I'm sure there are some... I'm sure there are lots of good people operating in new media, but I think it's been, it's been such a such a rapid growth area that you yeah. just don't know what you're getting. And you... you, yeah. you, you yeah, they, they presumably... the the. The people who understand these things better than we yeah. do selected a few people based on, you know, their following and so yeah. forth. But you just don't know what kind of idiot you're going to get along, do no, you? That's right. Because you know, I'd, I mean, I'm sure, as I said, I'm sure there were lovely ones, but yeah. they seemed like a group of just a particularly <laughs> self-obsessed group yes, of people. Yes, exactly. That, that, yeah. that, that didn't care about anyone. And, and then I think on day two, they they stayed. They were in the hotel bar till three in the morning or something well, and none yeah. of them none of them wanted to get in the cars yeah. and continue the I trip I think the I probably day. did more on that trip with with the photographer we had Nick uh, Tideman taking pictures as we went around of me in the Aston and everything that probably did more for that trip than any of those influencers yeah not that I would call myself an influencer you ever. are you, well you, yeah I'm you, usually you, under the influence <laughs> so you're an influencer whether you like it or not but yeah, yeah you don't have to I think it's because you've got other things mm. you do, it won't it won't be the thing you're known as. No. But I guess anyone who has any yeah. even a small amount of influence influence yeah. is an influencer. But if that's your main thing, yeah. and your main thing's taking pictures of your yeah. of yourself. Of course, they all got free clothes as well, and yeah, <sighs> I, I don't get it. Well, it's good, and, if, and I like print as well. Mm. I like to sit down with a proper journalist and uh, be asked decent questions. Not like the questions you're asking me now, but, but like you know. Nonsense. Uh, and uh, yeah, I really enjoy it. And uh, we always, I journalists do get a hard time. Get a hard time, you know. I mean, I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not. I'm not saying they deserve to be have people clapping out of the window like, <laughs> like for nurses. And yeah. there's, you know, there's. Well, you wouldn't about, appreciate it anyway. No, being self-deprecating. Exactly. Oh, no. stop it! Stop it! I've, <laughs> I've done nothing. <laughs> And yeah, I, th I think I think most of the journalists I meet are decent people. I mean, yeah. how how the organisations they work for operate is a, yeah. is a slightly different question, and and also how 
good it is for you yeah. to absorb news yeah. all the time. Um, I mean, the the luxury world, which I kind of sidestepped into from news, is. I mean, it's very different. It's they tend to be people who are they're, they're interested in the things they're yeah. they're coming to see. Yeah. So they'll you yeah. know they'll care about the brands or the cars yes. or the watches yeah. Yeah. or whatever it is. Yeah. And they don't also they don't tend to be doing hatchet jobs on people because no, I mean, it's a, no, not in our sort of business really because no. it's just there's no point. You know, for every, well, every I, I notice on Instagram if I have certain things that I do like say I photograph a watch or something I suddenly get watch adverts coming up or shoes I get shoe adverts coming up this it's is extraordinary and this is particularly annoying if you're if you're a journalist because you a, a story hits hits your desk right yeah. so you've got to write about and let's say it's a watch and it might not be something you're interested in but you're doing it for for work so yeah. you so you you research you look up on the internet and from then on, your computer thinks you want to buy things yes. like this. Yeah. So depending how varied the stories you're writing about, you could yeah. be, you know, you could be asked to write a, you know, story about, I don't know, massage therapy, contraceptives, anything. You, yeah. And you, you, you're. It's confusing the algorithm because it's thinking, oh, he's he's really into this. I'd better advertise that to him. Oh, he's really into this now. I, I have a funny story about ideas and. You're talking of uh, contraceptives. Years ago, when there was this whole thing, uh, Virgin, I think, had just launched a condom. And it, it occurred to me, why don't we do our own? You know, hack it one. Um, and so I came up with this idea that we, we make a condom, package it up, and we call it the hack it pullover. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't go down very well. Oh, so. this is one of the, no one, no one took the no one else agreed. No. Have you done face masks? Yes, I've you got have. one with me. Yeah. Oh, Hackett face. Yeah, mask. striped. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, Hackett. Perfect. Yeah. I should have bought one along for you. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm not a big fan of having to wear a face, oh, face mask, I. but the, you know, I guess we have to. Yeah. Show willing, don't we? Really? Yeah, yeah. That's you know what it is. Oh God, somebody said that the other day, didn't they? Trump. I think we better cut that. No, no, it's what because you sounded like Trump. Well, he said something about the death rate or something, and he was saying it's what it is. Did you see that? It's a, just the expression you mean. I, I try, I try to listen to Trump as little as possible, but once you once you go down the lines of discussing these things, a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. I, 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 to be honest, I don't know very much about politics. I think, I think I think you're best off away from it yeah. mostly. I don't know a lot about fashion either. So just be bluffed your way through. Yes, exactly. Bluffed your way through. Somebody's going to find out soon. Have you, you heard of imposter syndrome? You, like you just said, someone's going to find out. Yeah. And I used to think it was something that people might have at the beginning of their career. And it's a, and it's a well-known psychological syndrome where you, a person's in a job, they feel they're not good enough and they feel that they're gonna, they've kind of somehow lucked out and got this whatever it is this whatever position they've got yeah and they feel that any day now someone's going to come along and say excuse me you don't know any i've definitely had it with journalism someone's going to come along and say sorry you're rubbish at this you don't know anything about this get out and i and i thought i'd I heard of the syndrome and thought it was just something that yeah. you would get when you were at the initial stages but people who are really successful 
and have been doing something their whole life, they still often get it worse. They feel they're going to be found out. Yeah. Well, the way I avoid that is by admitting it. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not a tailor. So if anybody comes at me and says, oh, well, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, I'm sh I, maybe I don't. But you are. But I admit it. But whether, you know. you, whether you like it or not, you are the thing I introduced you by saying. You are a style guru because people, as you might not like the word guru, but people listen to what you say. And you've, you've been asked to write countless things and oh, yeah. talk about and people yeah. want to know what you think about men's style. Have men lost yeah. their ability? Well, I did do a book. I, I used to write for The Independent. I had a little column called Mr. Classic and I did it every other week for about three years and then I turned it into a book and Thames and Hudson published it and it, if, you, if you read it today it still seems okay because sometimes those sort of fashion things you read it five years later you think oh god did I say that but you know this seems to have sort of stood the test of time because I I, I write about things in a not not dictating to people how they should dress just sort of suggestions and little stories about clothing and um it did very well yeah. you seem to bring a joy to things i think that's important yeah you know you I, say I, whenever i see you at events you seem happy to be there and whether, even if you're not and you you know you seem to you seem to enjoy the work yes i do yeah um oh who was it that said that if you enjoy your work, you never have to work again, or something. Oh, yeah, if was, you, yeah. Is it Tom Sawyer or something? I can't remember. Well, yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah. Never that's have to work me. a day in yeah. your life. Yeah, that's that's me really. So me, so that, that's probably why you can't remember being be yeah. asked whether you'd retire because you think, well, why would I retire when I? Yeah, it's a fun thing to do. Can't afford to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure at some point you'll. Yeah, you know, I'll probably just keel over on the shop floor, <laughs> which would be a great way to go. Funny enough, some, a journalist asked me once, um, how, what would you like to have on your headstone when you die? I thought, what an odd question. And we used to have this logo, which was uh, an H in a box. So I said, I'd like to have H in the box. <laughs> oh. Perfect. Yeah. I can see from your lovely watch there that unfortunately we're out of time. Oh, are we? Oh, OK. Flown by. Well, it's been fun. And it's been really nice. Yeah. So Jeremy Hackett, Style Guru, thank you very much. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. Thanks again to Jeremy Hackett. His lovely Instagram account is Mr. J Hackett with two T's. Healthy Beast is at Healthy Beast Podcast. Mm -hmm.